Oh, thank you all for tuning into the 458th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, Daryl D. Lane, as always. Wherever you are, however you may be listening, I thank you for making me and this show part of your day, whether it be via Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Pandora, whichever podcasting app or platform you may be listening to me via. Being recorded from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, per the new usual. Going to have a great podcast for all you guys. We're going to have Cody Felger, host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. We have a great conversation. We talk about Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, those rivalries. Can Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes replicate that? We get into Andrew Luck a little bit. And also we talk about Carson Wentz's time in Indianapolis and how Matt Ryan uh, will do in Indianapolis uh, since the Colts just got him. Now, before we get to all that, I'm going to give my shameless plug as always. First time listener, thank you. But subscribe and follow right now. Also, share this podcast with your friends and family, whether it be via Reddit threads, Facebook groups, etc., etc. Check on the description below. Specifically, if you use Spotify, I have everything timestamped. You can click on the timestamp and it will send you to whichever part of the podcast you would most like to listen to, folks. It's for your convenience. Follow me on Twitter at Nightshirt underscore Lane. And also, subscribe to my sports channel on YouTube. Just type in Daryl and you will find it. I post three to five minute clips of this podcast right here, as well as my syndicate show, Outside the Shop. And lastly, if you have Apple or iTunes, give me five stars and a great review for some odd reason, right? If you don't like the pod, then don't say anything because you know what your mama told you. My mom told me this too. She said, Daryl, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say it at all. And now it's time for my monologues that my good friend Kenny Sim loves so much. So Kyler Murray, he got the bag. The Arizona Cardinals decided to extend him. So here's the deal. According to Adam Schefter, Kyler's going to get $230.5 million with $160 million guaranteed. Uh, Murray's $46.1 million in annual salary is going to rank him second among QBs in the NFL, only being surpassed by Aaron Rodgers of the Green Bay Packers. Now, some people may say, wow, this is bad news bears for the Cardinals. Kyler's not worth that. The last time we saw Kyler Murray play, he was awful. Zero touchdowns, two interceptions was missing open wide receivers. You guys remember that game against the Los Angeles Rams, Wild Card Weekend, Monday Night Football. Kyler was absolutely awful. He was a disaster. It looked like he was seeing ghosts out there, was missing reads. Completely awful quarterback. Also, Kyler misses games from time to time. We saw Colt McCoy having to step in for him at points during the season. Kyler, and this has been a big issue of mine with Kyler, he wears down as the season goes on. He doesn't get better. He doesn't stay the same. He gets worse, and I think that's because of his size. And let's not forget this. Kyler Murray was juvenile during the start of the offseason when he wanted the Cardinals to sign him to an extension, so you know what he did? He decided to scrub them from his social media, from his Twitter, his Instagram, all the pictures of him being uh, in a card- in Cardinals gear, all the things Cardinal related, uh, having Cardinals QB on his Twitter page, right? Extremely juvenile and immature, right? That's not how you handle things as an adult, as a CEO, as a professional quarterback in the NFL. But even with all that, here's why the Cardinals, they did the right thing and the smart thing. Kyler Murray is one of the most talented QBs in the NFL. Off the top of my head, guys that I'd rather take instead of Kyler, and just in terms of pure talent, Josh Allen, Patrick Mahomes, 
Justin Herbert. After that, it's really debatable. Kyler could eventually won a league MVP. He was the MVP frontrunner for the first half of the season as the Cardinals were like, what, 7-1, 9-1, 9-2? He can carry a team in spurts when things aren't working. And you may say, oh, well, Daryl, still, no playoff wins. Well, that's all fine and dandy, but the Cardinals weren't winning playoff games without Kyler and before Kyler got there either. If you get rid of Kyler, and this is the really important thing, because in sports we always say, oh, get rid of him, don't sign him. Don't trade for him when it's like, okay, what's the alternative option, right? Don't just tell me and be the dumb sports guy who says, hey, don't sign Kyler Murray because of all of his issues. Tell me, who are you getting instead of Kyler? Here are some of the Cardinals QBs the last few years. Josh Rosen, Drew Stannon, Blaine Gabbert, Matt Leinert. It gets darker on the other side of the moon, folks. Who are you going to get in the draft? Bryce Young out of Alabama? He's small just like Kyler. His arm's not as strong as Kyler. His arm angles aren't as good as Kyler. And he's nowhere near the athlete that Kyler Murray is. Matt Jones, who was the best quarterback in this rookie class with Trey Lance, Trevor Lawrence, Justin Fields, Zach Wilson. Matt Jones was better than all those guys. And Matt Jones is light years away from where Kyler is right now. Light years. Yes, Kyler has a lot of flaws as I just stated. Small, he wears down. I question his ability to see in the pocket at times. I think he gets balls batted down. You have to run a spread offense for him. There's a lot of issues with Kyler. Don't know how mature he is. Don't know if he's a leader. But whatever Kyler is, it's better than Matt Leinart, Blaine Gabbert, Drew Stanton, and Josh Rosen. That I do know. Kyler could potentially be an MVP of the league. And again, that's not a far-fetched statement. There are two doors to go through. There is the door of, let's not sign Kyler. Let's let Kyler go and let's sign Kyler. The door you go through when you say, let's not sign Kyler, that's the door of the unknown, which really can get Cliff Kingsbury and GM Steve Kime fired. That's that door, the unknown door. Then there's a known door. With Kyler, we're going to keep him. We're going to be competitive. There's going to be some good and there'll be some bad. Ebbs and flows. Highs and lows, right? But with that door when you keep Kyler and you extend him, you know you have a really talented quarterback who's borderline top 10 for four or five years. And that's something a lot of franchises don't have. Sure, the Jets would wish they would have that. Look at the Jets' history. Sure, the Dolphins wish they could have that. Don't always think the grass is greener on the other side. The Cardinals made the right choice. Maybe not the best choice, Maybe not the most preferred choice in a perfect world, but in this world, nothing is perfect. Sometimes you have what you have, you get what you get, you just have to work through it. So now I want to get to Trey Lance and Jimmy Garoppolo. So there's something called the Peter Principle. And what the Peter Principle is, is it's the principle that members of a hierarchy are promoted until they reach the level of which they are no longer competent. And we see this many ways in our society. We see this in sports. and just in regular society, right? Uh, you can get be, you can work at LA Fitness, right? You're really good at sales. Then they promote you to be the GM of LA Fitness, and you're in charge of everything just because you're good at sales. You're not a manager. You're not good at working with people. You're just really good at getting on the phone and getting people to buy that membership, right? You can be that hot shot offensive coordinator all the time we see in the NFL. Really good at calling plays, but you can't manage people when it comes time for you to be the head coach. 
you're promoted above your pay grade. Too soon, I might add. The owner dies in pro sports, and then the son or daughter takes over, and they're way over their head, way over their skis. They don't even have a clue. When the coach is the dad, and it's like, oh, little Johnny gets to be the star quarterback, even though little Johnny's not good enough. He's in a position to fail, and then he looks bad, right? We see this all the time when people are promoted and get elevated above their pay grade, above their pay level, above what they're capable of, and then they suffer and they struggle, and oftentimes they get fired and they get canned, right? Trey Lance was drafted as the number third overall pick in the NFL draft, and he's not ready to play. He's very raw, not accurate can't really read the whole field. He's willing to run at the first sight of trouble. Not accurate in any of the three levels of the field. Short, intermediate, deep, inconsistent, has no control of the football. These are all real issues. Yet, he's going to be the starter this year because the 49ers, who have just given Jimmy Garoppolo permission to look for trade options, has to have a cap hit, and Trey Lance was drafted third overall, so it's like, oh, he has to play. Because the way it works in the NFL... A rookie is signed. You have four years with that rookie. And then there's a plus one, an option for the fifth year. You kind of have to know if you're going to extend and do that option, that first round pick option, if the guy's good or not. So Trey Lance has to play, even though he's not ready. And he's not ready because, and this goes back to when I was evaluating him at North Dakota State. (laughs) He couldn't beat out Jimmy Garoppolo. I have Jimmy Garoppolo as like the 25 26th, 27th best quarterback in the NFL. And Trey Lance could not beat him out. Jimmy Garoppolo even got hurt. And typically, when a quarterback gets hurt and there's a young quarterback who's behind him who the team wants to give him a shot, and that young QB gets the shot after the starting QB was hurt, that old veteran QB never gets the job back. Look at Tom Brady in the New England Patriots. Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Tom never gave back the job. You want to know why? Because Bill Belichick and them saw it in practice. Hey, this Tom guy, he's pretty good. We should keep him in the game. Jimmy Garoppolo got out the game. They saw Trey Lance and they were like, oh, you know what? Maybe we need to get Jimmy back in as soon as possible. That lets you know where Trey Lance was. And I foresaw a lot of this coming. Trey Lance, he was a non-thrower in college. He only threw it more than 30 times once. He was a one-year starter at North Dakota State. So he's not a guy who's really used to throwing the football, right? And... In addition, before Trey Lance was at North Dakota State and he was in high school, he was a safety. So he's a safety QB hybrid, which basically means that all he's doing is read option. He's not really throwing. He wasn't a highly touted quarterback. He wanted to go to Minnesota. They didn't want him, so he settled for North Dakota State. And he only had one year. He was there for three years. Actually, excuse me, I think he was, no, he was there for two years and then the COVID year. So his freshman year, he redshirt, starts as a redshirt freshman, uh, doesn't throw the football more than 30 times. Only once he did that. Only once. They're a run-the-ball, meat-and-potatoes offense. And then the following year, there's COVID for his third year, and he can't play a game. And the 49ers drafted him third overall. Of course he's raw. So he shouldn't be able to beat out Jimmy Garoppolo, right? But now the chickens have come home to roost, and Trey Lance has to start because you can't keep Jimmy on the roster. And also... Something even more concerning about all of this is 
Colin Cowherd report, and take this report for what you will, folks. He said that Lance is a sore arm, so he can't throw right now, and his throwing motion needs to be rebuilt. In sports, everything's about muscle memory. Having to rebuild a motion means you're starting from square zero. Even worse than one, square one, right? You're starting back to the basics. It's like you were a sprinter, and now you're having to crawl. So, Trey Lance can't focus on getting better as a thrower. He's focusing on relearning how to throw. That's not very good, and that stunts his development and growth even more. And then you get into the tiredness and the arm having to rest his arm. Again, like I just stated, Trey Lance, QB safety hybrid in high school, one year starting in college, didn't throw it a whole lot in college, was a backup this past year in the NFL for most of the year, only played three games, and his arm is tired? He should not have a lot of reps throwing the ball. In fact, I know he doesn't have a lot of reps throwing the, fall, throwing the football. And that kind of makes me think he has a nerve issue or there's something uh, a lot more sinister and awful going on there that we don't necessarily know about medically because that's not normal. You should not have a tired throwing arm. He, you shouldn't. So with all those things, Trey Lance, he's not ready. He's not ready for the job. He's been promoted above his pay grade. And he's only getting the job because the 49ers have to give him the job. He's the third overall pick, and Jimmy Garoppolo's too expensive to keep. In a perfect world, I'm sure the Niners would rather have Jimmy start for another year. But they're not afforded that luxury. Just like how a lot of times I'm sure you'd rather have that offensive coordinator be an offensive coordinator for a few more years, learn the ropes, know how to deal with players more. Then he gets promoted to that coach. And then it's like, oh, crap, he's not a leader of men. Big issues for San Francisco and Trey Lance coming soon. And now we're going to get to Cody Felger, host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast, covered next at the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. The action never ends at DraftKings Sportsbook, especially this summer. With tons of ways to bet on all your favorite sports, you can fuel your fandom and feel the heat of the season like never before. Plus, right now, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving new customers a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's right, folks, $1,000. Make your first bet up to $1,000, and if it doesn't win, you'll get another shot to cash in. I know. Great deal, right? You should take it right now. You can throw down on all the major action for baseball, golf, MMA, and more. Plus, with same-game parlay spreads, money lines, over-unders, and props, your betting options feel endless. Best of all, DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Great deal, again. Should take it, folks. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Make your first deposit and get a risk-free bet up to $1,000. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Cody Felger, host of the Bring the Juice Colts podcast. How you doing, man? Hey, I'm good. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. So my first question to you is this. Carson Wentz, what did you make of his season with the Colts? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, it was very interesting. I, I felt like there was 
certainly moments where you're like, wow, Carson looks like, you know, the, the potential franchise guy, you know, moving forward. And then you, know, you had moments, especially near the end of the year, where you're like, I don't think the Colts trust him, right? You know, they, you know, run the ball so much and, you know, barely passed it. So, you know, it, it was really weird. It was like a tale of, of two seasons for Carson where he would have these moments where this, when he was good, he was really good. Well, he was bad. He was pretty bad. And so I think all that averaged out. And uh, it was a very, like, it was a season that was very frustrating for fans because it seemed like the team showed, you know, and it, and it echoed, I think, with, with just how the team showed, you know, um, how good they could be, but also, you know, obviously the last game in Jacksonville. So um, I thought, you know, obviously the first round pick wasn't worth it. Um, I thought for a while, you know, I think, Certain things weren't certainly weren't all Carson's fault. You know, the team certainly needed to step up in certain moments. But when it came down to what it mattered, you know, when it came down to what mattered, uh, the Colts did not trust him to lead their franchise. And if you don't trust the guy, you, know, you got to move on from him. So that was kind of my take on the Carson Wentz situation. How much? When did you think you realized at what point of the season that it's like, okay, the Colts don't trust him? Was yeah, there a specific um, game for you? Um, I think maybe for me, and I was at this game, so I kind of saw it firsthand. Probably, honestly, the Patriots game because it seemed like you know, uh, the one time Carson tried to do something, he threw an interception, and they just, they, unfortunately, JT, you know, won that game for him. But um, that was the first time I really started to notice, and then it became a lot more obvious, obviously, down the stretch and stuff. Uh, but maybe even that Buffalo game could have well, you could have pointed to that. You know, Carson didn't really have to throw it, but you know, did the Colts trust him to do that against the that Buffalo defense? So for me, it was probably New England. Do you think there was any thought that maybe he could come back the next season? And you know, maybe it's like right, he has another year under the system with Frank Reich. Like things can get better. Obviously, he does have the physical talent. There's probably not 10, 12 guys that league more talented than Carson Wentz. He's probably more talented, honestly, than Matt Ryan. Do you think there was any kind of any thought that maybe you could run it back with Carson for another year? Or do you think after that Jacksonville game, it was like it's done? Yeah. So from what I've heard, it seems like it was. Uh he wasn't coming back even if it was for that Jacksonville game. Like, you know, Chris Ballard was on with Pat McAfee earlier in the off season. And he did ask that question. He said, you know, Jacksonville doesn't happen. Is Carson still your quarterback? And Chris is like, I don't know. So I think for me, it was just a combination of things. And I think it ultimately came down to the Colts didn't feel like he, regardless of how they felt about him as a person, they didn't feel like he was the leader to take them there. So I think, think regardless of the Colts made the playoffs, the Colts still might have moved on from Carson, you know, uh, and maybe who knows, maybe they would have gotten more out of him. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think, I think, you know, the decision, it was a combination of, and obviously I think the stuff with the vaccination stuff early on, you know, in, you know, last off season and, and things of that nature. It was just a, a lot of things stacking on top of each other. And I think there was just some guys in the locker room as well that, uh, that became a little vocal. And so, um, I think a combination of all those things really, uh, you know, at some point during the season, I think it was uh, the Colts kind of made the decision, yeah, we're probably not going to. And I think the Jacksonville game just enhanced that tenfold, like we're going to probably move on from Carson. So that's kind of my take on it. When you look at that Jags game, and I think it's interesting, prior over the course of the NFL season, the games I can think of that were like those games that you would never expect to happen, there was the Bills game where the Bills got like destroyed by the um, – 
The Jaguars, actually, ironically, they had that really bad game against the Jags. I think the Bengals, like, lost the Jets. And then you have the Colts losing to the Jaguars. Just as a fan, when you're watching, and this is like a win-in-your-end scenario, and it's kind of one of those games, and it's like nothing's guaranteed in the NFL, but you're like, we're going to be Jacksonville. They've been awful, the whole Urban Meyer stuff. Like, there's no way. Trevor Lawrence doesn't look like he's had a bit of life, like, we should just waltz in. We're in the playoffs, right? On to next week. On to Wild Card Weekend. So at what point during that game, as your emotions as a fan, you're like, okay, this isn't going right to like now, like, oh my God, we're screwed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, I think uh, especially that first drive that Jacksonville had, you know, where Trevor Lawrence, like you said, didn't, wasn't good at all last year. It just goes down as virtually perfect. Uh, it's just like, Come on, man. What is good? It just set you off on a, such a poor, uh, you know, such a poor start for your defense. And, you know, it just felt obvious that the guys weren't ready to play pretty early into that game. It's not like the game was even close. You know, the Colts got pretty, uh, pretty smacked in that game. And so, yeah, it was just very odd because you're like, how, how is this the same team that, you know, beat New England? How is this the same team that beat Arizona very shorthanded? Like, what is the difference? But I guess that is just the parody of the NFL sometimes. Um, but I, I will say this. I did feel like after that game, uh, there was uh, some things that definitely needed to change with this team, especially at the leadership positions, you know, that being quarterback, that being even on the defensive side of the ball, I felt like you needed some fresh voices in there as well. Um, and all those things just kind of spiraled into that one game. Because, a lot, like I said earlier, a lot of people like to just blame Carson for that game, but the defense allowed – Jacksonville to pretty much kick their butts all day so um, yeah I just think that kind of culminated a lot of like concerns Colts fans had it all seemed to escalate in that game how would you describe Carson Wentz's leadership <laughs> um, that's a great question you know, I wish I could I wish I was in the locker room to see but I think one thing that that kind of stands out is just would not hold guys accountable. It would not be, a, you know, I always think like the best leaders are the ones that are willing to look inside themselves, right? The, the guys that are willing to, all right, you know, check uh, what are the things that I need to change about me. And it seemed like Carson in certain ways was kind of a little bit headstrong in that, you know, where there was things coming out about him not taking hard coaching, um, you know, not doing those things. It's like you expect your leaders to do. And so, I think for Carson, it's just maybe just a little bit of lack of maturity in that way, um, you know, and just a lack of that is what a franchise quarterback has to do, you know. Um, and so I think that was kind of the big, big thing. And, and and the things that Matt Ryan, you think you see that Matt Ryan's already doing, like quizzing guys, you know, in the locker room, you know, holding guys accountable. He will call people out. He's not afraid to do that. I just don't know if that was necessarily Carson's style um, of leadership. And so – um, you know, maybe he was just a little bit too nice, honestly, in some ways, and, and maybe needed to take, you know, a page out of the, the Peyton Manning, Matt Ryan book and, you know, be on those guys, you know, be that, be that perfectionist in certain ways because you want to get the most out of your guys. So that's kind of, from what I've heard, that, that kind of seems like um, that was the big knock on him from a leadership standpoint. Do you think Carson Wentz is going to be a guy who kind of ends up being a bust? Because it seems like I think Washington's going to give him a chance to start. Obviously, didn't work out in Philadelphia, didn't work out in Indianapolis. Do you kind of see like yeah. this kind of being like the end of the road for Carson as a starting QB, and he's going to have to kind of go the backup route? Uh, yeah, 
that's a good question. I certainly think this is his last chance at being a starting quarterback anywhere. I mean, he doesn't really have any more excuses. You know, you could point to, oh, okay, Philadelphia. You know, as a Colts fan, it's so interesting to see Washington fans kind of going through a similar, like, uh, rationale process, you know, where it's like, oh, he wasn't that bad. Oh, you know, he didn't have this, he didn't have that, which is true to a degree. You know, he didn't really have a lot of weapons last year that was helpful. Uh, but, you know, I don't know. I, I just feel like, you know, if he doesn't do something here, uh, I think his time might be short because I do think that Washington got a little bit desperate and, and they're not locked into Carson Wentz long term. Like, they can move on from him pretty quickly if they need to. Um, so I think, yeah, certainly uh, last year was very revealing for Carson because you did wonder was that, you know, 2020 season a, a bit of a fluke. And it seemed like he, you know, while the stats looked pretty on the outside, it seemed like there were certain ways, especially like, down the stretch where he sort of like reverted back to that 2020 form. Um, and that's concerning, you know, that's concerning that it seems like he's kind of getting stuck in those ways a little bit. So, um, yeah, to answer the question, I think Washington's kind of his last chance to be a full-time potential franchise guy, even though if you're asking me, I don't think he is that. Um, I think from, from a public standpoint, from an NFL standpoint, from a team standpoint, um, this will kind of be his last chance for an organization um, to view him in that light. How much of an upgrade do you think Matt Ryan is going to be over Carson Wentz? Mm. You know, and you mentioned, like, the physical stuff. That's obviously what you're sacrificing with, you know, going from Carson to Matt Ryan. But I honestly think it, it's a big upgrade. Um, I think just, like I mentioned, the things that Matt Ryan has already done in the locker room um, and then just with his teammates, you know, gathering guys up in the summer, going and throw in uh, – you know, calling guys out when he needs to, and just really taking control of that huddle. Um, I mean, we saw it with Philip Rivers when he was there for a season. Um, he really got a tremendous opportunity, uh, you know, and really led this team extremely well. He made a, he left a big impact on this team. Um, so I think Matt Ryan is exactly what the Colts needed because um, with all the instability, I mean, it's been well documented, all the instability they've had at quarterback. Um, it's nice to finally have a guy in there that's going to be stable. You know, he's not going to be as I, – I call Carson, Carson's play last year pretty erratic in, in certain ways. And Matt Ryan's not going to be erratic. He's going to be consistent. He's going to be there. While he is a little bit older, you know, he's getting closer to that 40 mark. Um, I do think still, um, while he may not have the, you know, high, 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 high plays, you know, like Carson maybe did last year, we're like, oh, my goodness, like only a select few quarterbacks can make that play. Um, I think he's going to make up for it with – you know, what Chris Ballard said, making the layups, right? So making the easy throws, doing the things that, that you need to do. Um, I think that Matt Ryan's going to just do, do that tremendously, and I think it's going to just help this offense flow uh, a lot better than it did, maybe closer to that 2020 form than the 2021 form. What do you think Matt Ryan ranks just like in the hierarchy of the league? Would you say he's top 10? I, I wouldn't go there. I think at this point in his career – because the AFC is just loaded with quarterbacks, really talented young quarterbacks. I would say anywhere from like the 12 to 15 range is kind of where I'm going to go with Matt Ryan uh, because he was with Atlanta, who you know didn't really have that greatest supporting cast around him. Um, but, you know, he has obviously, being that old, he, he's out of his prime now. So he's not the player he once was. But I still think he has an opportunity to be a really good player for the team with what he's going to have around him in terms of a running support, offensive line, um, some young receivers, and, and a defense as well. So 
and I don't think he has to be top 10 necessarily. If he is, great, you know, but I think he just has to be, uh, you know, uh, above average quarterback to a good quarterback for this team to to really take that next step and really make a push into the postseason. Because, you know, honestly, you think about some of those games last year um, where if your quarterback plays a little bit better, you probably would have won that game. And, and the Colts easily, I think, would have won a couple more games um, and been in the postseason. So they're not that far off. So, uh, yeah, I, I would still say Matt Ryan, not quite top 10 for me. But I still think he's certainly in the, in the top half of quarterbacks in the league, even being 36 right now. How many years would you give Matt Ryan left before you think the play really starts to dip off? Because he is nearing that mark, that 40 mark. Yeah, right, right. Well, certainly two years is, is what he's under contract for. I could obviously see him playing for three or four um, at you know pretty high level because you, know, you see quarterbacks like Tom Brady and some of those guys, Aaron Rodgers, playing into their late 30s, 40s, you know stuff like that. And Matt Ryan's done a pretty good job. He's one of those quarterbacks that, that does a good job of taking care of his body and taking care of himself. Um, and like even watching some of the tape last year from him, he can still play. Like he can still like move. He is, you know, even though he's a little bit older, like he has to show it all the time. So I would probably give him, you know, four years at the max, but I certainly think you, you definitely have two years left in him. And, and for the Colts, that, that gives him the opportunity to, to groom his successor um, in the next coming years, which is great for them. You know, they don't feel that pressure to have to figure out, figure it out, you know, this last draft or even the next draft. So, so I think the last four years, the Colts quarterbacks, right, have been, it's going to be Matt Ryan this year, last year, Carson, the year before that, Phillip Rivers, and the year before that, Jacoby Brissett. It, how, how crazy is that that Frank Reich has still found a way to have some semblance of success? Like, the team's been good, made the playoffs in, in one of those years with such a carousel of quarterbacks. Yeah, that, that's a great point, and you know, uh, and I, and it's crazy. Like the offense has been pretty good, honestly. Um, they, they've consistently, I think, been fringe top ten offenses, uh, despite the fact that you mentioned he's never had a starting quarterback for multiple years. So, um, you know, I think Frank Reich is you know a tremendous coach, an offensive coach, especially. Um, and I, I, I just, yeah, it's amazing with the inconsistency he's had. You look at like. Every single quarterback from the season prior to the season with Frank Reich, they all improved in some way. Like, you can look at it. You look at Jacoby Brissett had probably his best year as a pro under Frank Reich in that 2019 season. You know, 2020, Phillip Rivers, a nice bounce back year from his, you know, kind of disastrous 20, uh, 2019. And then, um, you know, obviously Carson as well. Like, even though, you know, the stats are a little bit misleading, certainly was better than he was the season before that. So, yeah, I think all sides point to, you know, quarterbacks when they're under Frank Reich, you know, as a former player himself, um, he, he can figure it out. You know, he, he figures it out. He knows the passing game. He knows the passing game of today's NFL. So i got to give props to him. He's done a great job with kind of the cards that he's been dealt uh, the last couple of years with the carousel quarterbacks. Where would you rank those four quarterbacks? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Uh, I would certainly say, um, okay, so what did you say we had? Are you talking Matt Ryan as well? Are you going to put one of Yeah, we can put Matt Ryan in there. And just their cold seasons, because obviously then Phillip Rivers is probably number one. (laughs) Yeah, well, I think right now I think Matt Ryan's going to be a better player than Phillip Rivers was, so I guess I'll put him at one. Um, Obviously the play has to happen before I do. Um, 
but certainly Philip Rivers is, you know, one or two. Um, and then I would probably say Carson and then Jacoby, in my opinion. Um, because a lot of people like to look at just the t- what the team get early on in that 2019 season and say it was all Jacoby. Um, but I never really felt like – I felt like at best he was a game manager, and at worst, I mean, we saw what happened, right? So, um, yeah, I would probably go that that route. So you think the Colts would have been better off if Phil Rivers came back for another year last year? I, I Yeah, I definitely think they would have, <laughs> for sure. How much better do you think the Colts are? That year, I mean, I certainly think they make the playoffs again. Um, you know, because you look at what Phil Rivers had or didn't have in 2020, right? He Jonathan Taylor's breakout year this year, he didn't have that. He didn't really have a running game for like half the season because Taylor was still figuring out. Marlon Mack was hurt. Um, all those things, you know, and and there was a lot of games the Colts uh, probably should have won, but you know, sometimes the supporting cast did not come alongside him. But the Colts really, I thought, took a you know, some guys like really improved. Um, you know, the, the quarterback position certainly improved last year and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, I would say I would think that they they would certainly be a playoff team. Maybe win a I don't know if they'd win a playoff game, but I certainly think they could kind of be where they were the season prior, if not a slightly a little bit better. Because they they did give Buffalo a run for their money. And they probably should have won that game, honestly. So Jonathan Taylor, him or Derrick Henry, yeah. who's better? Oh man, that's a that's a banger of a question. Because uh, a lot, because I just want to say, this, a lot of people would say Derrick Henry, but if you really look at like their per game stats, like Jonathan Taylor was like kind of on Derrick Henry's pace, which is crazy because Derrick Henry's like a yeah. freaking monster. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, efficiency, Jonathan Taylor, you know, it's not even close. But I mean, Derrick Henry's just a tank, right? He just gets so many carries, so much volume in the course of the season. Uh, it's like no wonder he gets, you know, near 2,000 yards every year because they're just running him ragged, you know. And, um, I would say I would say Taylor is, uh, I think, the more talented running back. Derrick Henry, very talented as well, obviously. Um, but I think Taylor is more efficient, so I'm going to go Taylor. Um, and I'm trying to take my fandom out of it um, because, you know, Jonathan Taylor did what he did uh, despite having really no help last year in the passing game for, for good chunks of that season um, and uh, yeah I, I don't know I, I just feel like Taylor right now at this point I'm going to I'm gonna probably roll with him because he hasn't had an injury history either where do you think Taylor is just in terms of the hierarchy of the NFL in terms of like non-QBs mm, yeah huh. um, let me think uh, yeah he's certainly you know with I, I, mean, I certainly think he's the best back in football so when it comes to non-QBs, I mean, I think you got, what, Cooper Cup and, you know, I'm trying to think of a couple other guys. Devontae well, Adams, Jamar Chase, yeah. Tyreek Hill. Yeah. I, I think he's certainly top five, no question about it. Um, I think he certainly up there challenges those guys for the ma- amount of impact that he makes. Um, and that's crazy to say because, like, he's only had really one full season where he's been the full-time starter. So, uh, yeah, I, I, I would – I would argue that he is top five, no question. Are you surprised Jonathan Taylor got this good this quickly? Um, I think certainly surprised at how good he was, yeah. Um, and, and like you talked about, just how quickly it did happen. Because it really seemed like it happened, you know, it started happening the second half of his rookie year. And we were like, oh, he's going to be a really good running back. Um, you know, we had no question about that. But, you know, he was MVP level running like that that's that was 
I guess, shocking because you just don't see that, you know, a whole lot. Like a guy just break out like that. The Colts haven't had a running back like that since, obviously, Edger and James. So, yeah, it was a little bit surprising um, just because, uh, you know, we knew he was a good back. We didn't know he was going to be that good last year. So in terms of the AFC, where would you put the Colts? Obviously, you mentioned, right, the AFC's loaded. Bills, Chiefs, Bengals, Ravens. I mean, the Browns, they got Deshaun Watson, depending on how that situation works out. Like, uh, the Chargers. Like, So where do you put the Colts in that hierarchy? Yeah. Yeah, it is a very, very tough division uh, or conference, I should say. Um, I would say for the Colts, um, I think they're the best team in their division in the AFC South. Um, I think some teams that I would probably put ahead of them, um, I'd probably go Buffalo. I would probably go um, – that's a good question. I'd probably go Kansas City just because of their quarterback. Uh, the AFC West is just, like, insane. Um, I would say for the Colts, I'd probably put them at, like, five or six, honestly, in the AFC, in the AFC Conference. How much better do you think they are than the Titans? You know, that's a great question. Um, you know, I think the Titans certainly got worse this offseason, for sure, with a, with the trading away of A.J. Brown. Um, you know, even last year, I felt like the Colts were a better team overall than the Titans were. Um, and obviously, the Titans swept them, so I you know, can't really talk. But uh, but I, I, think, I think it's going to be a tight battle. I really do. I think these teams... Um, are, you know, I think the Colts are more talented right now, but Tennessee has, specifically on their, I feel like on their defensive line, they really had made a lot of improvements last year. They still do have Derrick Henry, who's one of the best running backs in football. And, uh, um, but I, I do think the Colts will um, ultimately, you know, come out with it. Um, but I really think it's going to come down to the last couple weeks of the season. I really do. And also those key, you know, two games that they're going to play. I think that's honestly, whoever wins those, I think is going to take the division. I have to ask you, as a Colts fan, what was it kind of like to watch, like, the dumpster fire that was the Jaguars from afar, like, with Urban Meyer and all of that? <laughs> you know, it was it was entertaining, um, but selfishly, as a James Robinson fantasy owner, it was infuriating. <laughs> oh, yeah, Urban, Urban Meyer hated him. <laughs> yeah, just refused to play him for whatever reason. Um you know, but honestly, I was kind of like, man, why is he doing this? Why can't he stay for another year? Like, I want Jacksonville to just be terrible. Um, you know, it's kind of like, it was kind of like the Bill O'Brien, obviously it was different, but like, it's always fun to watch your, obviously it was terrible what Urban Meyer did, but um, it's always fun to watch your rivals just kind of implode <laughs> a little bit. Um, so it was, it just kind of grabbed the popcorn and sat back and watched and was just glad my team wasn't in that position. Yeah, my God, that that's probably like one of the worst runs for a coach in a single season I can ever remember. Terrible. When were you like? Because there were just so many instances, right, with Urban. When were you like he's definitely getting fired? Was there one like before he actually got fired where you're like, there's no way he can keep his job? Yeah, um, you know, honestly, I think the Jaguars were probably the
But yeah, I certainly kind of start started to see the right writing on the wall when you know Jacksonville's just their offense is terrible, their defense is terrible, and you're like, what? Why is he exactly here? You know, and you hear all these terrible, like these dumb stories of like Urban Meyer not even knowing who Aaron Donald is. And you're like, is this guy all here? Like, is he like okay? Yeah, I think Urban was just collecting the check. I'll be honest. <laughs> I think he was yeah. just collecting the check. <laughs> Do you think that? It was more just bad Jaguars than just a bad Trevor Lawrence because a lot of people were thinking Trevor Lawrence could have been a bust that year. Yeah, I definitely think I blame more Jaguars than, than Trevor Lawrence. Um, I honestly felt bad for him, you know, because I do think he's an extremely talented player still, and I think he still has a lot of potential. But, uh, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously he's got to improve, and and he knows that, and. Um, and I don't think he had a great supporting cast around him, and the players that he did have that would have helped him didn't really get utilized. So um, I would say that's more of a Jaguar thing than a Trevor Lawrence thing. I, I think he's going to be perfectly fine if he gets the right head coach and the right support around him. So give me some of your favorite Brady Manning games. Mm, that's a great question. Well, I think for me, I mean, I have to go with the AFC Championship game uh, when the Colts pulled it out. Like, I, that's just a given. Like, as a Colts fan, I'd be almost blasphemous if I didn't. Um, but I think a close second for me was a game that I remember watching all the way through. I don't really remember that game a whole lot. I'm still pretty young. Um, but the game I do remember is that 2009 game, Colts-Patriots, and Lucas Oil. Uh, Colts were undefeated at that point. The Patriots, I think, were like 8-1 and or something like that. Um and, you know, the Patriots took that huge lead, you know, and Randy Moss, and Les, they were just torching them. You know, they were down big, and, and then the classic Peyton Manning, you know, comeback story, and, you know, the last second, I think it was like 20 seconds left, the, the slant to Reggie that won the game. And that was just crazy, crazy emotions from extreme low to extreme high. Um, that was definitely a fun game as well. Uh, you know, I have... Uh, even though the Colts didn't win this one, I do remember that 2007 game was a really good one as well in the, in the RCA Dome, I believe it was. I think it was the last Colts-Patriots game in the RCA Dome, if, I don't, if I'm not mistaken. So um, I have some really good memories of that one. And obviously i got to go with the one from last year as well when JT uh, broke it off. That was more of a Colts-Patriots one. But yeah, in terms of Annie Brady, I would say those are probably my favorite ones right there. Do you think that's the best QB rivalry you can ever remember? Yeah, I think I think that was honestly the one um, for sure. Like you know, it was so much hype around that, so much hype every time. You're like, it was so cool because you're like, we you don't know who's gonna win. You have no idea. Like you know, both these guys are so talented; they can will their teams to win. It was, yeah. It's like I don't think it's gonna. You know, it's a rivalry that I don't think uh, anybody's gonna ever match. Cause I think it was just that epic. So then, here's my question, right? I think for a lot of people, when everybody saw that shootout with Mahomes and Allen in the AFC divisional round. So I think some people yeah. are kind of thinking, could this be like the next QB thing, right? Two of the probably the best teams in their conference, similar to how like the Colts and the Patriots were, both of them around the same age. They're probably going to face a lot of times in the playoffs. Do you think there's any way that that rivalry could even somewhat replicate Manny and Brady? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, it's hard for me to say anything will replicate that because they're just so like they were just so so dominant uh, to every other team. Um, and I just feel like in this today's NFL, it doesn't happen as often as maybe it did back then. Um, 
because you know Manning had the Marvin, you know Marvin Harrison, Reggie Wayne, uh, Dallas Clark, all those guys, and the Brady teams obviously have a lot of talent as well. Um, it's hard for me to just say that it will, but I, I think it's going to be a great rivalry. I, I just can't ever say there's going to be a there's going to be a rivalry that that, in my opinion, matches the Brady Manning. I really don't think there will be. How big of cheaters do you think the Patriots are? Oh, the worst. Uh, the worst. Uh, I mean, my goodness, how many times do you have to get caught cheating before, you know, before something actually, like, legitimately happens? So, uh, never respect it. I never will. Well, it actually is interesting, too, because Andrew Luck was there. That was the, uh, the NFC Championship game. That was the Plague Gate game. <laughs> yep. I remember that one. So, that, was, that was terrible. I have to ask, what were your thoughts like after that game? Because obviously the Patriots blow out the Colts and then like, the whole deflate gate thing comes up. So like, what's your reaction as a fan? <laughs> Are you just like, what the hell? I'm, like, like, I'm just like, really? Like, why do we, like, we got our butts handed to us. Why are we making this like a big thing? Like, I get it. Okay. Like, they're, you know, the balls were a little bit deflated or whatever. But I'm like, okay, you can't, like, in my opinion, it's like, they just hand it to your lunch. Like, you can't, like, that's just like, you know, like just getting completely outclassed and then dragging it on and making the organization look like, like, you know, like clowns, honestly. Um, I, I just, I hated it. You know, I hated it. I was like, why are we bringing more attention on ourselves? Well, we should be focusing more on what are we going to do to get better? So when the situation happens again, we're going to be ready. We're going to be prepared. Not not going off into some petty thing. Well, I mean, it's, you know, it was still a thing. It's just, in my opinion, I just felt like it didn't matter at the end of the day because they would have beat us with fully inflated footballs or not. Like it wouldn't it wouldn't have made a difference in my opinion. Yeah, I agree, and I think it was also interesting. I just found it funny because, like, I agree with you. The deflated footballs, like, I, I don't think that had any impact on the game whatsoever. It was just breaking the rules. That that's all it was. But I think yeah. the, the, the Spygate thing, I think that's a lot more egregious and things for people to be upset about what was going on Spygate, particularly the early 2000s. I think that's more so something for people to be upset about. But I was like, they're spending all this time taking Brady to court and all this stuff, but they didn't do anything over Spygate. All they did was burn the tapes. Right. I, I, I just always found that crazy and mind-blowing. I'm like, this is why you're mad at them? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it didn't make much sense to me, and I was just ready to move on from that game. That was Terrible, terrible memory. Um, yeah, closest Colts ever got to a Super Bowl with Andrew Luck. So my last question for you is this. If Andrew Luck came back to the NFL right now, where would he rank in terms of quarterbacks? Uh, that's a great question. Um, if he comes back fully, you know, <laughs> himself, um, I-, I think he's top five. I really think he's top five. I don't. I don't really like. He was. He was special, man. He was a special kind of player. Um, and with the team the Colts have around him, would have around him right now, um, there's no question in my mind that this team would be a perennial Super Bowl team. Like I think they're not talented. So you have no doubt in your mind if he came back right now and obviously get back into shape, you know, get back in the swing of things, he's still a top five guy. He still has that somewhere place in him. Um. Well, yeah. I mean, obviously, if he comes back and he fully loves the game and and everything, I mean, he was just he's generational. Like he was just one of those generational players. And uh, it sucked that he didn't get the support uh, early on that he needed. You know, um, because I really feel like, despite what did you know, uh, what what he was not given, what the support he did have, he still you know willed that 
team to an AFC championship. He still made them, you know, contenders every single year. And that was with no running game, no offensive line, and no defense, and no competent coaching. So I'm like, hey, you give that guy uh, some more talent around him and an actual competent coach, uh, I really do think, yeah, he, he, he would be, because you even saw the one year with Frank Reich, uh, he had his, <coughs> excuse me, he had his best year uh, of his career, honestly, from an efficiency standpoint. So, yeah, I certainly think um, if the competitiveness was there, he could do it. You think there's any way he'd ever think about coming back? Because isn't he still under contract with the Colts? Uh, I think they just have his rights still. I think that's what it is. Um, so he would have to. I think if they, they would have to trade him, and not a team. A could, team couldn't just sign him. So I think that's kind of how it goes. So is it like the contract just freezes anytime he comes back and just picks it back up? Yeah, I'm not entirely sure how that works, but I think like just with any retired player, I think that's kind of how it works or something like that. Um, but yeah, I think that was the same way. Like, if I know Pat McAfee a couple years ago was thinking about like coming back and kicking for a team, and, and they'd have to trade him or something like that. I think that's kind of how it works. I'm not entirely familiar with you know the, the retirement stuff and all that every, and all that stuff. But do you think there is any way though he would ever come back? I don't think so at this point. No, he, he seems very happy with where he's at, and you know I feel like we got. He, Chris Bauer got all those questions for so many years, and you know he just has consistently said, he, you know, he's retired. And I think at this point, yeah, I don't think he's going to make a comeback. I think Andrew Luck's one of those, you know, unique guys where he's uh, he, he has other thing that he's very passionate about outside of football, like very passionate about that. You know, he thought like, okay, if there's a player on the team that that would retire early, it would be maybe a guy like Andrew Luck. So. Um, I don't think there's a chance he comes back, honestly. I really don't. Unfortunately, I'd love it if he did as a fan, but uh, I think that should be sailed, honestly. Cody, I want to thank you for coming on the podcast, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on. And once again, I want to thank Cody Felger for coming on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I want to thank all of you for tuning into this episode. The 458th episode of... Barbershop Sports Talk!